WHT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Blacks and Entertainment. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We are kicking off Black History Month by focusing on the entertainment industry. Blacks are making big moves, huge progress, and really setting new trends. But who is really calling the shots? Is there still prejudice out there? Are there still roadblocks? Is it still more difficult for a black actor, black writer, black producer, black director to get the same opportunities or even to create for themselves the same opportunities as it is for people of other ethnic and racial groups? We're taking your calls and your comments at one 800 223 9797. That's 1-800-223-9797 on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. On Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. And you can uh, see my videos there. Hear Street Soldiers episodes on LisaEvers.com. We post your comments on our Instagram page, Lisa Evers Live. And before I get into the show and into introducing this amazing panel, there's so much talent in this room. It's really incredible. Um, before I introduce our awesome panel to you, I just want to say we're offering our thoughts and prayers for Whitney Houston's daughter, Bobby Christina. Uh, she was found by her husband in the bathtub of their home outside of suburban Atlanta, face down. She's now in extremely critical condition in a hospital in an induced coma is what they're telling us, um, you know, using life on life supports, basically. And um, this is about, comes about three weeks before the third anniversary of her mother's of her mother's death, her mother Whitney's death. So our thoughts and prayers are with her and with the family. And anybody who's lost their mother, you know it takes a long, long time to even get any way kind of normal with that. I know I've gone through it. And so our thoughts and prayers are with Bobby Christina, her family. We hope she makes a you know, full and complete recovery and whatever issues or whatever happened there never happens again. So our thoughts and prayers are with her. Taking your phone calls. That's 1-800-223-9797. Now, some of the biggest hit shows on television right now are coming from the African-American community, starring African-Americans, created by African-American producers, directors, and writers, and starring people of color in leading roles and drawing audiences that are diverse, not just black audiences. Because for a long time, with Hollywood, with television, there was a theory if you have a show that has a predominantly African-American cast, I guess the Cosby show, when we were all, you know, back in the day was kind of the exception, you could not get a mainstream, quote-unquote, mainstream audience of people of all different ethnic groups, which the United States is still predominantly white. So you need the white audience to make a hit show across the board. But now look at what we're seeing. Scandal. Look at Scandal. The the star in that, Carrie Washington, Shonda Rhimes, the creator of that show. Grey's Anatomy, a Shonda Rhimes show. How to Get Away with Murder, another one of her shows. Um, power. We see Power on Stars. We have one of the Power actors with us here in studio. And also the breakout hip-hop drama on Fox by Lee Daniels, mm. who was the director, who is the director of Butler, of uh, the Butler. It's called Empire. Now, I'm not just saying that because I work for Fox 5 News, but the show has, I just got an email this week, Empire is doing what practically no other show in TV history has done, and maybe no other TV show in history has done, and that is every week that it's on, it is gaining 
in audiences in the in the numbers of people that are watching it so usually what happens with tv shows is they start and they get a big hype and a promo everybody checks it out and then they're kind of like eh, nah and they move on the empire with empire it is exactly the opposite the empire phenomenon is on fire and those of us who have been in hip-hop loved hip-hop and just always knew how big it was it's it's great to see this happening and great for me at fox because wednesday nights at 10 right after empire get to do a hip-hop related story so uh, big (laughs) shout out to neo and thank you for the one this week so that's what we're talking about there's been tremendous there's just like this explosion it seems and it just is like kind of a, a blast through a ceiling that had been there i think for a very very long time but is that the reality for everyday working actors is that the reality in terms of the types of roles, the way that African-American men are being portrayed, the way that African-American women are being portrayed, or are they still building on these old stereotypes that have lingered throughout history? That's what we're talking about with our panel. What is it like? Um, Those are just a few of the issues. Taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. And as I said, we've got an amazing, uh, amazing panel here in studio with us on this Sunday morning. Mark John Jeffries, he's an actor. You have seen him... uh, play Darius on the HBO series Treme and uh, I love Treme especially because we've been down there in the NO after Katrina played Derek uh, Mitchell on the NBC sitcom the Tracy Morgan show he's best known for Get Rich or Die Trying Notorious Losing Isaiah you're going to see him in season two of another one of my favorite shows right now Power which uh, 50 Cent is the, one of the executive producers on. And coming out April 24th, he's going to be in the movie Brotherly Love. I'm talking about Mark John Jeffries. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate it. Also with us is Dr. Tanisha Ford. She's a professor of women's studies at UMass Amherst and the author of the book Liberated Threads. Dr. Ford, thank you so much for being with us. Happy to be here, Lisa. We really appreciate it. Also joining us, Lisa Nicole Wilkerson. She's a performing artist. She just completed her fourth Broadway show, Motown the Musical. She's a public speaker, performing artist. She won a Fred Astaire Award for her dancing and the Broadway hit Porgy and Bess. Lisa Nicole, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Also with us is Stephen Hill. He's an actor. You have uh, you see him in HBO's Boardwalk Empire. Do not tell us what's happening, please. Okay. okay? <laughs> Don't spoil. Don't spoil what's coming up in the because I know you know you got all the scripts and everything. Um, but thank you so much for being with us. And you are um, you're coming up. We just saw you in BET Christmas Wedding Baby. Yes, Christmas Wedding Baby, and coming up in a James Franco film Seven Rays. Yes. So you got a lot going. Everyone's got a lot going on here. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a lot going on. And of course, your telephone calls, 1-800-223-9797. Mark, I want to start with you on this, Mark John Jeffries. You've been in a lot of different types of roles. And how do you feel as a black actor? Do you feel your experience is different from a white or Asian or Latino actor? <clears throat> Um, well, honestly, I feel that there's it's two sides to the story, but for the most part, I'm going to say that my experience has been a little different just because of the fact of the amount of work I've done in the industry. And I, I, I feel that if I had been a white actor, the potential would have probably been seen a little bit faster. But I, I just feel that the industry is stereotype brand, you know, and recently we're starting to break out of that stigma not just as black actors but just as performers altogether but especially for blacks and i feel that those blacks that find a way to to kind of 
make themselves or, or play into the more proper characters that potentially seen in them and they're used in the more recent projects where you need uh, more cerebral characters or those characters with that proper prestige and things like that so I, I feel it's a it's a progress you know but we get in there so as a creative person I'm sure you want to grow you want to expand your craft you want to do more mm-hmm. do you feel as if because you're a young black man that there are certain roles that they kind of force on you or that they only see you a certain kind of way um there's an old saying you can lead the horse to the water but you can't make him drink and nobody can force anything on you it's, it's all about what you accept and what you allow so I've, I've found that in my career i've had to say no to a lot of roles you know i've had to say no to those stereotypical roles that were being offered time and time again like and, like roles for what um roles for the the their um stereotypical gangster or the little street kid that got a smart mouth and inviting people to his private or the dog that's robbing somebody or the weed head and stuff like that and you know sometimes i've, I've had to turn a lot of roles like that down and from turning those roles down it's kind of been a benefit because now i'm not stereotyped so i have a movie coming out where i'm playing a gay fashion model a gay fashion designer and another one coming out where i'm like the lone survivor of new york city so it's like just turning down certain roles it it keeps you neutral in the in the eyes of the viewers and as an actor thing. because the, the the greatest actors throughout history have always been known for playing a wide variety of of different roles yes as well lisa nicole wilkerson as a woman as a woman of color mm-hmm. on broadway which for a lot, a lot of actors have told us in the past that was kind of the final frontier for actors of color what's been your experience and you're an award winner you've starred you've, d- you've done amazing things Um, I agree. I think that in my experience on Broadway, you have definitely seen in the last three seasons, Tony seasons, uh, a a broader scope of black characters. So you have characters that have levels. You have characters who aren't just, you know, pigeonholed into one particular category. However, I would say that those roles are now starting to dwindle. So back in, say, the 2011-2012 season, it was a very exciting time to be black on Broadway because you had shows coming in like Porgy and Best. You had Memphis that had been there for a couple of years and was still going strong. Um, Then you had plays, right? So you had Stick Fly and you had The Mountaintop. So these were plays that were actually kind of by us for us. They were written by black women. They were... um, in some cases produced by black women. Stick Fly, Alicia Keys was one of the producers and she also um, did the music for the play. And the cast was, was you know, amazingly talented. So you had this um, ability to have ca- have a show that could be down home, but then you could have a higher brow show that an audience could go and enjoy. And then in the next season, you had A Trip to Bountiful, you had Motown coming in, you had After Midnight, A Raising the Sun. But then, you know, eventually, you know, now we're into the next season, the 20, the 2015, 2016 season. For the black actor, we don't really see these shows coming on, in on the horizon. And so it's difficult when you look out, when you look back and say, wow, we made so much quote unquote progress. And then to look forward and say, well, where are we now going? Because all of these shows have now closed. And so we're now competing for a role in a particular, in in a show that doesn't necessarily have a storyline that's about the black experience. It's a show that is for a general audience and you might have one or two um, roles for us that are considered blind 
colorblind casting. So it's a it's a mixed bag. It's definitely a mixed bag. And I think Broadway is such an expensive venture. I mean, it is a really um, it's difficult to even find bring something to Broadway. It's an expensive um, endeavor for people. And it's expensive to go, too. And it's expensive to go. And you have a Absolutely. lot of tourists. You have a lot of tourists that come and support it. You have you have a predominantly older white audience that is the core of Broadway, right? Ticket buyers. Yes. Is that true? It is true to a point. Um, and I say that because having been in shows like Motown, Porgy and Bess, The Lion King, these are shows that are that would normally draw a diverse audience, but they're only going to draw a diverse audience if there's money that's put into a marketing plan that then goes out to to market to people of color of very, you know so, so that people know it's so there people know it's there that they know it's for them it's something that they would enjoy coming to see and that was proven time and time again with like for example poor game best there was largely one person who was in charge of getting going to churches around the country or going to, you know, civic groups or sororities, fraternities to say, hey, this show is here. It's something that you would enjoy. And then all of a sudden we'd see busloads of people coming in. But if they don't know it's there, they're not going to They're not going to find mm-hmm. it. All right. Um, let, let me bring in Stephen Hill. Stephen, um, we, saw, we see you in Boardwalk Empire. We'll see you in Boardwalk Empire in a very critical critical scene yes. um, com- coming up. What's been your experience as an actor and as a black actor? Um, as a black actor, uh, I have I have done a lot of films, shorts, a lot of ind- independent films. Um, I, I want to make mention of uh, the festivals that the people should know about. You know, I mean, we know a lot of uh, the mainstream stuff, but uh, I want to make mention of ABFF, which is the American Black Film Festival, which is here in New York now. It used to be in Miami. Uh, also, Urban World. Um, if not for Urban World, Christmas Wedding Baby wouldn't have been on BET just recently. Um, and also, uh, another one of my favorites is uh, Black Star Film Festival out in Philly. This year will be their their fourth year. They're raising money now, and it's it's these types of venues that are have given me a great platform. Let me get in front of a lot of audiences. Let me hone my craft. And uh, the same thing with theater. You know, we have uh, National Black Theater. You know, Broadway is one thing, right? And it's very expensive. But we have theaters in Harlem. We have theaters in Brooklyn. Uh, the Billy Holiday Theater in Brooklyn gave me a, a great start. I've done a number of plays there. So um, I want to say to the audience that uh, you guys want to educate yourselves a little bit. And, about and really, what's going and on. you need to support support too, mm-hmm. Doctor Tanisha Ford. In terms of the stereotypes, are there still, as you look across the cultural landscape with your background, do you see certain stereotypes of a black woman and a black man that continue to be kind of regurgitated in in our, our popular culture? That's a great question, Lisa. And really. To answer that, we have to think about this historically. Um, Some of the earliest images of African-Americans in popular culture were really meant to bolster white supremacy, um, to justify slavery, and also to prove racist scientific claims that blacks were an inferior race. And so since the earliest moments that we were forcibly brought to this country, black people have fought to create images of ourselves that counter those images of blackness that were featured in Runaway Slave ads 
ads that were featured in scientific books of, you know, the pseudo-scientific books. Exactly, of the 18th and 19th centuries. And so I think that what's what we can see here is what I would call a changing same. The same is that the structures of power are largely still the same as they were in the earliest founding moments of our country. The change is really the, the most interesting part. And what I see there is that black people have historically pushed to find ways to make our voices heard in the media, to counter the images of the Sambo, of the Mammy, of the sexually available black woman. And it's really that push that comes from um, the underground media world or, or um, the independent media world that I think are helping to create a more diverse image of black womanhood and black manhood in the media as well. And it's those types of things that would allow somebody like Mark to be able to play, you know, a gay fashion designer um, in ways that we perhaps wouldn't see that role in the early 20th century. And so part of this is the 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 way that black people have historically innovated with technology, whether it be from album cover art, from the mimeograph to produce our own broadsides in magazines, to now social media, how we're using places like YouTube to create the types of representations that we want to see. And once mainstream media sees that there is an audience for awkward black girl, for the peculiar kind and so forth, then they're or for more the nerdy willing. black guy with the glasses who's the tech genius like we see in exactly. some of the shows. So then right. there's, they're more willing then to green like those shows because there is a consumer base who wants to watch that material. So as long as we keep pushing for our things, I think there will be opportunities for us to see more diverse roles of blackness on television. All right, 1-800-223-9797, listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about blacks and entertainment changing same. I love that phrase. We're going to talk about that too a little bit more. Let's go to Christian Keys right now. You've seen him in BET's Let's Stay Together, ABC's Mistresses, films like Act Like You Love Me, Black Coffee and uh, some of the Tyler Perry Medea films. Christian, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you guys for having me, um, especially with this, this on this phone line. Um, salute and hello to everybody else who's, who's on here. So thank you. What is your, in, you have an extensive resume as an actor. In terms of your experience, do you, do you feel that being African-American has limited you in some ways to roles or has kept you out of some roles, or do you think that things are opening up? I, I I'm an optimist to be honest. Um, I I don't believe it was always like that, but especially with the success, the wild success of, you know, the the being Mary Janes and the scandals and empires and and Grey's Anatomies and and you know all the uh, how to get get away with murder and everything. Um, I think there's a lot more opportunities for African American actors and actresses. Um, I mean, if you look now, you know, a lot of these shows have an african-american president you know um if you look back at the the keith was it the keeper sutherland um he's 24 right um they had an african-american president you know a couple of these shows have african-american presidents or african-american vps you know the representation the the image it seems they're more and more okay with putting that image out there of us being executives or vice presidents or senators or presidents and things like that and as far as the content creation, I, I really think those doors are opening up as well. It's going to be up to us to make sure that whatever we present content-wise um, is up to par and that, you know, everything continues to get better and grow. But I definitely think, you know, the doors are opening more. Um, I get I get into more rooms now than I, that I couldn't get into before because of the success of 
some of the actors that are on Boardwalk Empire, some of the actors that are on Power, some actors that are on, you know, when I love seeing, you know, when, when a brother is up there killing something, and they may be the only African-American on the show, but they're opening up doors for other people because when these networks see how crucial and essential it is to have a powerful African-American character or two or three, then, you know, they start adding them. You know, they'll add more guest stars, they'll add more roles, and there'll be more opportunities for not only us, but the people coming behind us. And is more and more reflective of the way society really is. Christian Keys, we're going to see you. Uh, what are we going to see you in next? Um, we have The Man in Three Beat. It's about to come to theaters with myself, Lamont Rucker, Billy D. Williams, uh, Kalita Smith, D.B. Woodside. Super huge cast. Um, it's based off of Carl Weber's New York Times bestseller called The Man in Three B. So we're really excited about that. Um, and a couple of projects as well we just shot. Um, the Preacher's Son and the Choir Director, which are also bestsellers by Carl. And, and um, yes, yeah, it's, it's been, you know, it's a lot going on. I, I don't want to go, you know, into, no, no, into no, everything. No, 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 that sounds good. I definitely think that we need, to, we need to concentrate on content creation, though, on that part of it. And that's why I started to branch off and, and just released my first novel, Ladies' Night. Um, we got to make some of our own content. We can't always sit around and wait for other people to hire us to come work on their jobs either. Sometimes... Uh, we, you know, we got to make our own. I know we're smart enough and creative enough to do our own content sometimes. Rewrite the narrative. Christian Keys, good luck with everything. We'll be looking for you in the uh, Man in 3B and your many other projects in your book, Ladies Night. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Okay, thank you. We, we really appreciate it. We're going to get to the phone lines, Jay Franklin Tiberius, in just a moment. But first, we want to just let everybody know a word from our sponsor, one of our Hot 97 sponsors, Roger Milner. He's the Deputy Executive Director for Metro Plus. There's a deadline coming up for health care, um, for health insurance, and we just want to let people know in New York City that if you do not have, cannot afford it, there are ways and alternatives for you to get it. Roger, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having me. So now, what do people need to know? What is happening on this February 15th, besides the day that it's af- the day after Valentine's Day? <laughs> well, it's very important for everyone to know that this is the last chance for anybody who wants to sign up through the New York State of Health to get health insurance coverage that will become effective March 1st. They must do it by midnight of February 15th. If not, they will have to wait to the next open enrollment period, which won't be until November 15th of 2015. All right, now, Metro Plus, you offer different programs for people for low-income people. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so on the New York State of Health, we offer all of the metal levels, such as the gold, bronze, platinum, and silver metal level plans, as well as the child-only and catastrophic plans. But in addition, we also offer the standard um, government-sponsored programs, such as Child Health Plus, Medicaid Managed Care. We offer Medicare Advantage plans. We have an HIV SNP plan for anybody who is HIV positive and several other different programs that are available to people, even undocumented uh, because of our uh, affiliation with the New York City Health and Hospital Corporation. We also have a program called HAC Options for those who don't qualify for any government-subsidized insurance. Wow. And then, Roger, for people who want more information, what's the best place for them to go? So people can contact us at 1-855-809-4073 or 1-800-475-4073. 6387, and then our website, which can give people information about where to go to enroll, uh, what benefits are offered, how the different health plans work. They can reach us at www.metroplus.org. All right, Roger, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. 
Thank you. All right, thank you. If you if you want information about that health care coverage, they offer a variety of programs depending on what your financial circumstances are as well. And, and, you know, for your kids, you need to really check into this. It's with the City Health and Hospitals Corporation. Go to metroplus.org. Let's go to telephone lines, 1-800-223-9797, Hot 97, kicking off Black History Month with a show on Blacks and Entertainment. The images that we see every single day have a powerful effect on all of us. Let's go to uh, Jay from New Jersey right now. Jay, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. How's everybody? Good morning. Yeah, uh, I, was, I was listening in and I called them because um the, the topic. I'm an author, by the way. I mean, that's a best-selling author. Oh, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. Um, it's funny because Christian Keys was just talking about... Um, a film he's in, and my, that's my publisher's book. Carl Weber is my publisher for my Ride or Die Chick series. But I called them because I write urban fiction and I also write nonfiction motivational. And I'm an independent author, and I just recently broke into mainstream. But the thing about mainstream with writing, and everyone made great points, the thing about it is kind of like a modern-day Willie Lynch syndrome. Because what it is is... um. One, if you don't meet their standards as a writer, like anything outside of the Western sphere of writing style, we're considered radicals. If um, James Patterson writes about a serial killer, it's entertainment, it's a thriller. If I write about killing, it's negative, and I'm promoting a negative message. Now, if for some chance I can prove to them that there is a market for this and there's an audience for this product, then they may let me in, which they've let a lot in. Once they let you in, then they play you against those that are not in, with, you know, bestsellers lists and things of that nature. But what um, what you don't know is the underdog, the indie, is out here, you know, beating the pavement and trying to break ground. Like, for example, the Man in 3B, Carl Weber's film is coming out. I have an independent screenplay that has been adapted from a novel of mine by a Sundance Film Festival. Uh, uh, okay, Jade, let, can you just make the point oh, because i got a okay, lot of phone calls here. Thank you. The I'm point sorry. I'm trying to make is this. You know writers, they um, can go on for hundreds of pages. Mm-hmm. I, I got, I got a, a time limit here. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so let me just say this. With all um, due respect. The point I'm trying to make is this. If I had um, a white actor with this, um, with this storyline, the script may have been picked up versus it being an all-African-American cast. And all right, this is not like that. All right, you're, ra- you're raising a good point. And I want to ask Dr. – thank you so much for calling, and I want to ask Dr. Tanisha Ford about that. In terms of what he said, a lot of the big movies are about killing, are about murder, are about serial killers. I mean, there's a lot of violence in these mainstream movies. And what, what do you think, to his point, that if the violence is committed by people of color, it's looked at very differently from, from white characters? Oh, yeah, that's definitely the case, Um, because if we think about this again, too, historically, um, the earliest forms of popular entertainment weren't meant for a black audience to consume it. It was meant to be images of blackness that white people wanted to see and felt comfortable seeing. And those were images that reified ideas about blackness that also solidified whites positions at the top of the society. Um, so the, the violent black male, the black man who wanted to rape white women, um, the black hypersexualized, the, the hypersexual black woman who was sexually Birth available. Of the Birth, exactly. Birth of a Nation is a prime example of what I'm talking about here in the early 20th century. Um, so 
again, black media has had to be radical in the sense that it had to counter those voices. It had to show that blackness was more complex than those representations. But it is still a challenge because we know that um, white moviegoers and white audiences still make up a bulk of the audience, the viewing audience, and that those films are just still in terms largely, of numbers, just in, in terms, terms of, of demographically in the United States. Right. And, and there's a way that that even if the demographics don't match that, there's still this idea that we're we're catering to a white mainstream audience. Um, and so it's hard for, for black films and black filmmakers then to get their projects scre- uh, greenlit because they counter a lot of those images. Now, fortunately, we're starting to see more black um, people in the mainstream who are getting those projects made. People like... Um, Ava DuVernay with with Selma. Yes. Um, Gina Prince Blythewood just had a movie come out recently, Beyond the Lights. Um, so there are these alternative narratives that are getting mainstream attention, but it's tough. And you, you know, but and you said. and you agree with what the caller said about in terms and and also what Stephen was saying about the writing is that it comes back to there ha- if there's more material, the chances are better. For everybody. Definitely if there's more material, which means we need more opportunity to get the material out there. All right, let's, uh, we're going to continue talking about this. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're kicking off Black History Month talking about blacks and entertainment. Is it the changing same, as Dr. Tanisha Ford says? The more things change, the more they stay the same. Or are there really new opportunities out there? That's what we're finding out from our guests. And let me remind you, Shaq's All-Star Comedy Weekend Listen all weekend for your chance to win tickets to Shaq's All-Star Comedy Show happening at the Beacon Theater February 13th. All-Star Weekend coming right up. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. 1-800-223-9797. Thank you. Hot 97 and Beats by Dre are teaming up. For the biggest concert All-Star Weekend New York City has ever seen. One night only the tip-off live concert at the MSG Theater. Hot 97's bringing Puff Daddy back. This your boy Diddy. your boy Big Snoop Dogg. And many, many more. One night only. History-making extravaganza. Joy Diddy. Snoop. Hosted by Ebro, Laura Rosenberg. Music by Camelo, Enough, and Funk Flesh. You know Diddy runs the city, so you never know who's gonna bless that stage. Another Hot 97 exclusive. Get your VIP tickets for this concert now, because they're going fast. Hit up Ticketmaster.com. Made hot by Della Russo, Laser Vision. Call 1-800-I-CARE and get your Hot 97 special. Brought to you by Beats by Dre and Hot 97. Wendy's presents Red in The Metal Detector. Hey, Frank, find any coins? No, just junk. A sword from the Civil War, a platter that says Buckingham Pap. Oh, I think you got something. I hope it's a quarter. You know, four of those, and I can get a junior cheeseburger from Wendy's. We got another gold bar. Man, I can't catch a break. Wendy's Junior Cheeseburger, 100% pure beef for just 99 cents. It'll change the way you see change. Now that's better. Prices and participation may vary. Get in the zone. Keep your engine running smoothly. Change your oil regularly with motor oil and filters from AutoZone. Designed to help fight the buildup of sludge. It's like you have an army stampeding through your engine, fighting off any harm that comes its way. Now we bit sludge. Farewell. Stop into AutoZone for a tax time tune-up and get a five-quart jug of Pennzoil and a Fram Extra Guard oil filter for just $22.99. See store for restrictions and details. Get in the zone. I'm a mid-century architectural wonder, a house made entirely of glass. So you can imagine my fright when giant pieces of hail started falling from the sky. Did I mention I'm made entirely of glass? Everyone was running here, running there, trying to get out of the house, but what am I to do? 
I am the house. Your house can't protect itself. That's why the Geico Insurance Agency helps make it easy to switch and save on homeowners insurance. You could save even more when you combine your homeowners with an existing auto insurance policy. Call Geico, go to geico.com, or visit your local office. Like the taste of fresh apples? Try an Angry Orchard hard cider. At Angry Orchard, we believe in tradition. That's why we use apples from a 100-year-old orchard. It takes two apples to make each bottle of Angry Orchard. So raise a glass to a time when apples were best served in a pint glass. Angry Orchard. When you're looking for something a little different, crisp, refreshing, and not too sweet, just like me. Angry Orchard Hard Cider. Banjow. Angry Orchard Cider Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. Drink responsibly. Hello, ladies. It's time you found love. Try this. Cupid, aren't you supposed to fire arrows at us? I'm using Dunkin's white chocolate raspberry lattes instead. Mmm, it tastes like white chocolate and raspberries. Such a romantically perfect blend. So, it's better than arrows? Oh, yeah. I'm in love. Fall in love with Dunkin's new white chocolate raspberry flavored lattes and coffees. America runs on Dunkin'. Price participation may vary. Limited time offer. <sighs> Carlos brought me a heart-shaped donut from Dunkin' Donuts. He's such a sweetheart. I don't know about sweetheart. He's giving those donuts to all the girls in the office today. Oh, I don't care. I was the first one, and that's what counts. Uh-huh. Come into Dunkin' Donuts and share the love with a box of delicious brownie batter and cookie dough heart-shaped donuts. America runs on Dunkin'. Press participation may vary. Limited time offer. Share the love with Dunkin' Donuts heart-shaped donuts. Right now, six donuts from Dunkin' are $3.99. Try a cookie dough heart-shaped donut today. America runs on Dunkin'. Plus applicable taxes. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. If your tax refund this year is going to be spent immediately on a new set of wheels, here's an idea. How about you get that new set of wheels and you don't give up your tax refund? You can do it at Major Worlds! Major World's Double Your Tax Refund event. Just come into Major World with either your tax refund check or your tax return showing the refund that's due you and we'll double the amount of your refund and allow you to use it towards the purchase of one of our 3,000 vehicles in stock. So, you get a great car at a discounted price and when you cash your refund check, you keep the cash! Maximum tax refund deduction for $3,000. Promotion valid to April 15th. Vehicle cost must exceed $10,000 for deduction to apply. So don't give up your tax refund. Come into Major World, bring in your tax refund check or your tax return showing the refund that's due you and we'll double that amount and you can put it towards the purchase of any vehicle you choose. Then, drive home with your vehicle and your tax refund. Plus, if you can't get to us, we'll come and pick you up. Major World, 4340 Northern Boulevard, Long Island City, Queens. Close to the 59th Street Bridge. Call 1-800-MAJOR-AUTO or go to MajorWorld.com. Hey, yo, hold up, it's your boy Diddy. And you know I'm going to sit mad up back for one night and one night only. I'm going back to Puff Daddy, New York. What y'all want to do? Wanna be ballers, shot callers, brawlers. New York makes some noise! So New York, tri-state area, get ready. All-Star Weekend, me, your boy Puck Daddy, and Snoop Dogg are taking over the Madison Square Garden Theater. I want y'all to help me sing this song right here. When the pimp's in the crib, mom. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. It's the Hot 97 All-Star Weekend tip-off concert. We're setting the city on fire Thursday, February 12th. It's your boy Puff Daddy, Snoop Dogg, and friends. Man, come on, you know how I do when I hit that stage. And you know I'm going to bring out all the all it's hosted by your Hot 97 family, Ebro, Laura, Rosenberg, and Nasa. Plus Funkmaster Flex, DJ Camillo, and DJ Enough will be in the building. It's Hot 97's all-star tip-off concert. Get your VIP tickets now at Ticketmaster. Brought to you by Beats by Dre and Hot 97. 
With lower prices and a larger network, settle for more with Affinity Health Plan. Call today at 866-731-8001 or visit affinityplan.org. More options, a larger network, and quality customer service. What up? This is Trey Songz, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Hot 97. Having a, a very incredible discussion here during the break. We're going to bring it to you on the air in just a second. I want to reintroduce our amazing panel to you. With us in studio, Mark John Jeffries. You've seen him in Notorious, uh, Get Rich or Die Trying, Losing Isaiah. He played Darius on the HBO series Treme. He's going to be in season two of Power. We're going to be looking for him there. Also, you can see him April 24th in the movie Brotherly Love. Dr. Tanisha Ford is with us. She's a professor of women's studies at UMass Amherst and author of the book Liberated Threads. Also joining us, Lisa Nicole Wilkerson. She's a performing artist who just completed her fourth Broadway show, Motown the Musical. She's the recipient of the Fred Astaire Award for her dancing um, in the in Porgy and Best, that Broadway hit. Stephen Hill is with us. He's an actor and uh, you will see him, you see him and we'll see him very soon in Boardwalk Empire on HBO. And in the movie coming up, uh, Seven Rays with James Franco, he just did Christmas uh, Christmas Day Wedding Baby. Christmas okay? Wedding Baby. Christmas Wedding Baby. Okay, that's a lot happening on, on Christmas. On yeah. BET. Thank you. And um, and on the phone, we also have Cheo Tahimba Taylor. He's executive producer of the Game Changers Project, taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. And let's take a couple phone calls. We'll bring Cheo in the discussion here. Uh, Watkins from the Bronx. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hello? Yes, um, Watkins, you're on the phone. Go right ahead. You're on the oh, air. Oh, great. Um, I love your discussion. Um, I am a single mother of a struggling actress um, that who lives in California, and, you know, and I support, you know, best I could mentally and um, emotionally and give her friends that are still um, in California, you know, struggling. Um, they all wait tables. They, they It's their passion. So what advice would you give to those um, young struggling actors and actresses that are um, in California and pursuing their career and their goals as an um, actor and actress? Okay. What, what, what would you give them? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Lisa because uh, she, as a female, maybe she can give a little, a few tips and advice there. Yes, and kudos to your daughter. All the best to her and her friends. Um, I would say one form of advice I always give to young people and budding artists is that your life is every aspect of your life is important. It's not just um, what your skills are as an actor, because obviously for all of us at this table, we know that the work doesn't stop. You continually stay in class. You continually work to hone your craft. Um, but every aspect of your life you bring to your work. So if there's an interest that, that she has in you know, needlepoint, or if there's an interest that you have in horseback riding. I mean, it's like have a full life and bring all of those pieces to what you do. Um, I was a journalism major. I went to Northwestern University and my original goal was to be a news anchor. And so I enjoy so many other aspects of that world. But I was able to bring that into um, what I do because what I do is all about storytelling. It's all about creating characters that have a journey, a, a beginning, a middle and an end. And um, I think that sometimes in this business we can be pigeonholed. We can be told that you are only supposed to be care- you're only supposed to portray one thing or another thing um, and forget other sides of ourselves. So I always encourage um, any young actor to remember all of who they are and bring all of that to the table 
um, so because it gives you a level of self-confidence as to who you really are and as opposed to just the characters you're playing. All right, let's go to uh, Cheo Tahimba Taylor, executive producer of the Game Changers Project. What they do is give grants to filmmakers of color to change the way black men in particular are portrayed. Cheo, thank you so much for being with us. Am I pronouncing your first name correctly? Yes, you got it. Yeah, thank, thank you, Lisa. All right. Thanks opportunity to be on the panel thank you so um just tell us like where do you stand right now with game changers and what do you look at as some of the successes that you guys have had well we launched about four years ago and game changes is in six cities around the country what we do is we really focus on finding really talented passionate filmmakers of color mostly black men um in cities like new york chicago la oakland and what we do is we give them opportunities to to tell stories that are not being told, whether that's on the digital space or in the network, you know, workspace or just across the, the entertainment universe. So we've, we've had uh, filmmakers over the last four years, you know, produce short documentaries uh, on folks like Chuck D and uh, Tommy Smith in the 60 Olympics. And we have these screenings. Uh, we had a, actually had a really successful screening at the Schomburg a couple years ago. And um, films have done really well because... Um, there's a need. We're finding that there's just that we've seen that even in the digital space. You know, we've had, for example, just this last year, we had uh, Stephen Hill. What's up, Stephen? Good What's to up? Be on the panel with you. Uh, yeah, Stephen is an incredible actor, and there's a short film that we did called Rights, R-I-T-E-S, which is a father-son story uh, about first haircuts and lost innocence, and we shot it in Brooklyn in july and the story is really about um the bond between a black father and a son and what fathers will do to save their sons in the, in the face of police brutality and we shot it the same weekend that um eric garner was murdered oh and wow it's, it's a very very powerful compelling film um and stacy muhammad was an amazing director uh from brother uh, she's a director for colored boys redemption um she came in and directed the film um, brought in Steven, and it was just, it was just an incredible uh, experience. The film is going to hit the festival circuit uh, in the spring, and actually we're going to have a premiere in New York. But what, what I found as the producer, and um, I wrote that film actually, and have been involved in, in, in really executive producing a lot of these shorts, is that um, we're just hitting a space right now that is, is sorely needed, and there's, there's just been this talk, and I've been in these kind of conversations where we, we ask this question, um, are we really, do we really have power? What power do we have in white Hollywood? And as somebody who, you know, I started off working at Entertainment Weekly in New York, and my experience was in interviewing directors and actors in white Hollywood um, that the stories that we wanted to tell, that we are telling now, have always been there. We've always had that power to tell these stories. Back even from people like Oscar Micheaux in the 20s, we've been able to carve out ways to do it um, I think that the barometer or the measure or the standard that we look at um, is flawed because we're always measuring ourselves to saying, you know, how many how many films or how many screens are we in and, and you know, how many big major studios, uh, you know, are showing our film. And I think that um, we, we can do both and we're doing both. So, you know, and Cheo, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I hope you'll... Uh... Hope you'll come back and, and let us know when rights, when people can see rights, because I know there's going to be a tremendous amount of interest from our Street Soldiers audience in that. And I want to thank you so much for making time to be with us on the show this morning. And we wish you a lot of good luck with Game Changers. 
Thank you, Lisa. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank it. you so much. Stephen, I want to come right. to the point that he's talking about the father and son, the role in, uh, the role in rights. You're talking about black superhero kids. Tell me about uh-huh. that. Um, so let's think back to, uh, you know, Christmas time in that holiday season is important for films, right? Right. And over the last three years, we've had uh, this year it was Selma. Um, uh, years prior, we had uh, 12 Years a Slave, and before that was Django Unchained, which actually came out on Christmas Day, right? And so these stories, to me, are important narratives, but they're like the up-from-slavery narrative, right? So I just think if we're going to talk about diversity, we have to talk about having a diverse film. You know, and we 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 kind of need like those more imaginative films that a lot of like white kids can look up to because they can look up to Harry Potter. They can look at like the Lord of the Rings films where these like whole worlds are created that are all white. Right. Void of any black people. And so even roles now we're looking at like what was it? Uh, it was uh, Noah and films that were told in in uh, in Africa, but they still are void of <laughs> black people, right? <laughs> so so we need films. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, Star Wars Episode Seven, uh, where we have John Boyega, who is is now going to play this stormtrooper that possibly becomes a uh, a Jedi, which is an excellent storyline. We finally get a young, hip black kid that gets to play this like Jedi, Jedi which we've warrior. been wanting since I was a kid, you know? Um and uh, have the sword. You know, we, have the light we had sword? a Jedi, but we had Sam Jackson, you know, he's a much older guy, you know, little kids can't really relate to him right, as much right. as they will be able to. You like a Mark John um, Jeffries in the Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, exactly. you, I would I, love, what about I, something like that? I like a superhero role. That'd be hot. <laughs> uh, hey Chadwick man, I bet not see you on the streets, boy. You took Black Panther from me, man. I wanted to be Black Panther. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean that's another one. Chadwick and Black Panther, Anthony Mackie in the uh, in the Captain America series. Um, Even uh, Michael B. Jordan now playing uh, Johnny Storm in um, Fantastic Four, which is which is normally a a, a white character. And that was a big debate with with in the comic, you know, the comic book Mm -hmm. community. And and, um, people are upset with these types of castings as well. But I think it's because it shocks what's normal for American public to consume. But isn't it also generational too? It's like, gen, you know, generational and you look at you look at younger generations and you look at the kids and mm-hmm. there's just so many more diverse communities too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the comic book, the, the comic book community, which I kind of am not really a part of anymore, but I used to be, um, but that community gets kind of upset with those types of characters. Because right, they're very you know, attached. They, they were upset with, uh, with um, um, Sam Jackson being cast as Nick Fury. You know, so I, but I am looking forward to these kids looking up to young heroes. Yeah, and I would love to piggyback on that because in the Broadway community, for the longest time, the only image that black kids could look up to was the Lion King. So you had young Simba, young Nala, and these kids, but it also wasn't necessarily marketed for the longest time as a black cast. What you would see in marketing is the big stencil of. Mufasa's face, but you wouldn't see that it was a black face. You wouldn't like for years. Oh, you that's never true. Knew You're right. That this is a, a cast of 50 people, most of which 90 percent of which are black. So 
you're only now starting to see it in the last couple of years. But to your point in the last few years, you have kids in Matilda. You've got kids in kids were in Motown. Like you've got these shows now that you have black children who are actually playing people because that's the other issue with Lion King, right? Like you've got black people who are playing animals and there's still something very mystical and beautiful and glorious about the show, but we weren't playing actual people. And so um, now you do have more of that and I think that it has been very inspiring to kids kids because whenever you we have what are called talkbacks after the show sometimes the kids will there'll be student groups that'll come and of course every question from the kids go to the other kids how old are you how when did you start exactly you know, no that's exciting but that shows you the power reflected. but it also shows you the power of the peer of, of, of just that peer effect you know their their own generation their own age group and that, that's the image that's the most powerful one with them let's take some phone calls we have people that have been holding on for a long time junie from brooklyn hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead hello yes junie i know you've been hanging out for a long time but you're on the air thank you for calling in um yeah thank you no I, it's a very interesting topic um i actually feel the presence of black you know people in entertainment has definitely increased over the years and i definitely think it's a positive platform um if you look back like you know on television and movie over the past like 15 20 years we've always had you know you know black entertainers from like cuba gooding jr morris chestnut you know i just think like the the platform nowadays of talent isn't the same anymore. So it's a lot harder for people to kind of get behind something and support it because it's like, who is this person? You know, if you look at roles in movies 15, 20 years ago, you know, someone like Cuban Gooding Jr., you know, he was a tremendously good actor. And you look at, you know, people he did movies with, you know, he would do supporting roles with people like Tom Cruise and so many other good actors. And now you kind of look at, like, you know, nowadays it's like, Star power makes a big difference as far as, like, you know, a movie. It has okay, a big presence. I, all right, you, ra- you, you raise a go- you're raising a point. I want to let, let Mark John Jeffries and our, our panel respond to that. What about what he's saying, Mark? Um, I, I, I hear what he's saying, but this is the difference between 15, 20 years ago and now. 15, 20 years ago, there were the repeat blacks, that the repetitive blacks were used in every role. It was like, if it was a soldier, it was Cuba Gooden Jr., or was it was, uh, what's his name? Oh, what? he was he was in a uh, Frankie Lyman movie. Oh yeah, he played O Dog or whatever his name was. Lorenz Tate. Lorenz Tate. So it was like back then the same blacks were being used for every role. Nowadays there's so many talented black actors where one role could go to me, another role can go to Steven, another role can go to Michael B, another role can go over here. So now you're not seeing the same faces because there's so much talent that when these decisions are made, you can't give it to the same person because everybody else has something new and something different to offer. And the difference is now, um, one of my mentors is Eddie Murphy. Eddie, if you're listening, what's up? And he he told me when I was like 16, he said, Mark, one of the things that I had to learn is that the industry is all about relatability. It's about being relatable. It's about making an audience feel comfortable with what you're portraying and what you're trying to sell and the story you're trying to tell. And black actors in the past, sometimes we never tap into that relatability factor. Like, we never really 
toned down our aggression or took away certain slangs or certain words that we use in order to make another audience feel comfortable with what we're portraying. Now black actors are doing that way more. You have way more black it's way more black actors nowadays that know how to play that executive, that know how to take the little attitude out of a certain character and make him a little bit more. But isn't that part of your craft? I mean, why should that be exactly. any different for a black actor than a white actor? Well, that's, see, that's acting, the, period. Well, like, was, you have to be something the, different from yourself. That's the right? difference, because with black actors or just black people in general we just have a different culture you know we we have a different culture we have a different lifestyle we have different things that we learn as we grow up and it's something that whites will never understand because they don't live in the world that some of us come from so in order to appeal to a mass audience you have to appeal to what they're used to and if you're portraying what you're used to and they're not used to it they don't get it so a, a white audience watching a film about two black kids in the projects and how we go to the chicken spot on Sunday mornings and we wake up at five and eat cereal while we watch cartoons. Some well, a lot of white kids aren't going to get that. They're like, when I wake up on Saturday mornings, I go to soccer practice and then I go over to my friend's house for a play date. So it's like you have to be appealing with what you're portraying. And that's one of the main things that I feel black actors are playing are, are being able to do more now is just appeal to the masses. All right. TJ's giving me the same we're running out of time. Dr. Ford, and I got a lot of comments on Instagram. I want to get a response for what's your What's your comment on that? Well, there's never been a shortage of black talent. I mean, you can go into any black neighborhood over the course of the time that we've been a presence in this country and you can find black talent. That was one of the great things about Boardwalk Empire is that it took us into the black juke joints in this age of segregation. And we could see all this amazing talent that wasn't getting mainstream attention. And so I really want to push back against this golden era of black talent narrative, because that's really one that helps to bolster a Hollywood narrative of blackness being in vogue at different points in history right so we we see it in the the 1920s era then again in the the 1960s and 70s with the black power era black is everything black is used to sell everything and we're seeing it now and so i want to push back against that that this has never been an issue of blacks only having talent at particular moments but more so Hollywood only wanting to use us to sell at particular moments in history. All right. It's all, you know what? It's a business. At the end of the day, it's a business. I wish we had more time. I just want to read a couple comments and I would love to get a real quick response. This is from 4R33D on my Instagram page at Lisa Evers Live. She said, she or he says scandal is a bad example for black women. It shows basically a high class cheater and a homewrecker as some type of role model. Um, Also, here's one storm from Storm X 30 on Instagram at Lisa Evers Live. The Hunger Games in the book, The Girl was black, and in the movie, she's white, the main character. I don't know about that. Um, and then also the uh, scandal. What about Mary Jane on BET? That's like almost a whole show in and of itself. But um, anyway, what do you think about that real quick in terms of the, these these most popular images like Scandal, Carrie, the Carrie Washington character? Well, I think it is great that we're seeing a diversity of black womanhood on screen. It's not that we're saying we don't want to see black women as sexual subjects. We absolutely right. do. That's part of life. We have sex. We have pleasure. You know, it's just that we don't want those Im- that to be the only thing that we see of black womanhood. And so I think that Carrie Characters like Mary Jane and like Olivia Polk show show us the interiority of black women's lives. All right, real quick, Stephen, then I got to go. I I think it's really important that we also, you know, put it on the audience to 
think about what it is that you're asking for. I did a video with Carolyn Malachi that's a beautiful love story, right, um, and called Runaway. And when I put it out there on social media, nobody really watched it, right? But if you go to the video of Ray Rice beating on his woman, it's, it has Crazy. 20... 40 50 million views right so it's also what is it that as the public what is it that you want so please look into black uh abff urban world black star film festival a lot of these stories are being told and you guys just don't know about they it. They just need to get out, out there. there. And also the things that you do like, they do count tweets. They do look at the social media traffic. So if there are things that you like, you mm-hmm. know, start a discussion with your friends mm-hmm. and your family and let people know about it. But I want to thank our guests, amazing panel. I wish we had more time to uh, Farrakhan, Jennifer, Seth, everybody else on the phones. I'm sorry we can't get to your telephone calls. I want to thank Mark John Jeffries. You are going to see him in season two of Power, April 24th in the movie Brotherly Love. Dr. Tanisha Ford, professor of women's studies at UMass Amherst. Her book is called Liberated Threads. That's a whole other discussion with the women in uh, clothes and decoration and what that all means. And also uh, Lisa Nicole Wilkerson. You can see all her work and uh, find out more about her. Lisa Nicole Wilkerson dot com. She's an award winning Broadway actor and dancer. We thank her so much for being with us. And Stephen Hill, you're going to see him in the uh, seven... His uh, Twitter is at Stephen Hill Acts. You're going to see him seven rays with James Franco and also uh, Boardwalk Empire. That's coming That's coming up. I want to thank everybody. And I, w- I want to thank everyone here at Hot 97, our general manager, Dion Levingston, our new program director, who I met on Friday. Very exciting. New days ahead for Hot 97. Congratulations, P.O. Farrow. Our music director, T.T. Torres, digital director, the one and only Jeffrey Thacker. Behind-the-scenes support, Lourdes Melendez. Pat Robinson, always looking out for you, girl. We really appreciate it. And, of course, my Street Soldiers team, our executive producer, Tone Capone, our board op and digital assistant, the one and only TJ, 2015 calendar coming by 2016. Yeah. Okay. Production assistants from the one and only Rose D. And uh, I want to let you know, give you an advance warning, 2015, a very exciting year for all of us for a lot of different reasons, but especially here at Hot 97. We are actively looking for new interns and production assistants. You must be at least 18, have good writing and communication skills, interested in broadcasting, journalism, producing, and have good digital skills. And trust me, if you work with us, it's like boot camp. You learn everything from A to Z. So if you're interested, please hit up my executive producer, Tone Capone. That's Tone, the number four real at gmail.com that's tone the number four real at gmail.com or me or both of us lisa at hot97.com uh just send us a resume and also a little you know couple paragraphs about why you want to do it and you know we'll take it from there follow me on twitter at lisa evers instagram at lisa evers live google plus lisa evers check out all our street soldiers episodes including this one which will be up within the next 10 minutes and my latest fox 5 videos on lisa evers.com and want to say happy birthday shout out this week to the one and only amadeus very talented music producer trey songs music director i'll be on the fox 5 news tonight at 6 and 10 and uh, to be a part of this show in any way, contact Tone Capone, Tone, the number four real, at gmail.com. And you know, it's Empire Wednesdays on Fox 5. I'm going to have a really special story for you on the Fox 5 News at 10 this Wednesday, right after Empire. Have a great week, everybody. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace. Taxes are a breeze with Liberty Tax. Easy, easy, fast, and easy.